It's Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs. Let's start the show with Lewis Tennant. Here we go. Guests and interviews that you're looking for with creators, innovators, and so much more. For all episodes and further info, verbalhighs.com is the place to go. All right, welcome to Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, a podcast podcasted from a dining room table in Tamaki Makoto, that's Auckland, uh, in Aotearoa, that's New Zealand. My name is Lewis and I'm the host of the show. This week's guest, Danny McCrum, we'll call him a self-made musician and entrepreneur from uh, these fine shores, born in this city. I'll chat a little bit more about him later before handing over to the conversation uh but first to the items on the agenda if you are a skipper of intros which i'm guilty of on some shows even the ones i love dearly give it about four to begin with that normally that takes you about two minutes doesn't it and then maybe another couple and then another couple and then another couple if you're new there's a sting that gives you an indication that we're into the content this is content too it's all content I'm content to say, um, and then also the second voice of the guest will give you a clue as well. I've already wasted nearly a minute there, and we haven't even done anything on the agenda, because the intro isn't part of the agenda, because it's just something that happens every week. First on the agenda is Kane Charter, uh, a friend has a lineage going back uh, to kind of the Dunedin scene and sound, and he used to flat with a reasonably... Uh, famous uh, and um, uh, and uh, legendary, that's the wrong word, uh, well-regarded uh, New Zealand musician whose name is a spoonerism of a name I mentioned earlier. And uh, I clicked that I was going to go to Gary's gig at uh, the uh, Point Chev Cupid Bar. And then I got a wee message delightfully through uh, a little bit later saying, hey, would you like to DJ at the gig? And I said yes, and then he did a, a thumbs up, a blue thumbs up, a good stock uh, Facebook response there. And then the next message from him was one last Q, which um, stands for question, uh, what's your DJ name? Which uh, I, I took immediately to mean DJ name, and I said, oh boy, I feel like making something up. I'm so off-brand these days. Off-brand was in quotes, uh, and he said, ha ha, dot, whatevs. And then I said, Kane Charter. And then I said, aha, ha ha ha, dot, 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 dot. I'll get my coat. Uh, Lewis Tennant, uh, or Lieutenant, is fine. And then I got back, Kane Charter. And then in capitals, idea. And then in um, small letters, uh, you. Kane Charter, full stop, I dare you. Uh, and I said, just said it because I knew you are mates. I know you are mates, sorry. And I know they used to flat together if I didn't mention that. And then I got a little bit um, weirded out. It's funny, you know, uh, it is a funny name. It is Kane Charter is, I think anyone Charter is in the uh, the humorous category. Um, Kane with a K, which I thought was, um, you know, arguably cleverer than with a C but then I thought I don't know um, Shane from Adam and it's nothing to do with Shane and he's an icon that's the word I was looking for before and if someone build themselves as 
Tuis Lennant, which is not funny at all, but is obviously a spoonerism of my name, I would be weirded out by that person. Um, I'll probably ever meet Shane, but it's just an odd uh, place to be with someone, particularly uh, an icon of New Zealand music. And so ever the workhorse, um, ever the enjoyer of a play on words, I messaged back, what about Kanye Charter? Um, that's possibly funnier and safer, is what I wrote. Um, then, and then I wrote, then Kane, just in case in text he didn't see the very important um, swapping of the N and the Y to get uh, Kanye Charter. And he replied, that is very good. And then I replied, I'm laughing out loud, which I do when I'm actually laughing out loud. Not really a huge LOL guy, though I have started to use it more, which is another story for another day. Um, Stick with Lewis, I say. Uh, Up to you, Kanye Charter. So anyway, um, DJ Lieutenant is playing with Ocean Beach at uh, Point Chev at the uh, at the uh, Cupid Bar on 9th of August. Shane has a book out. Apparently it's brilliant. While I'm on local things that are, are very good, uh, on Simon Sweetman's podcast, I listened in its entirety, uh, and, and I close listened to uh, him and uh, John Toogood, and I messaged Simon, I said, I think you handled that um, very well, not handled it in the, in the sense that anything sensitive or, or, or bizarre happened, but um, there's a lot of places to go with uh, someone else as, as iconic um, a musician and uh, New Zealand uh, figure as John. And uh, I thought John um, said some very prolific and um, uh, very, um, very, uh, what's the word? Um, we'll stick with prolific. Very, no, not prolific. That's not the right word. He said, he said, I'll just go with something simple. He had some, he, he spat some wisdom, man, about the state of the world, right? About um, politics, about amazing one of the best summations of trump i've ever heard um also spoke about i spoke about obviously he's converted to to muslim and uh, faith and then that um, terrible event in christchurch it's just a very uh interesting episode on the um what does that say d guy just looking at my notes d guy dj avalanche city i think that was another Oh, that's right. Okay, so we'll talk about this week's guest. Um, it is, it is, uh, it is uh, 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 Danny McCrum, and I was just going to say that um, the episode we talk about from their show, uh, "Don't Give Up Your Day Job," because Danny's a podcast host as well, is uh, is uh, Avalanche City. Fascinating story about the music industry. If you want to check that out, I am getting into rant territory now. We're over six minutes. Danny, thank you for coming in. Uh, he and his pal Bobby, who used to be an op shop host, uh, a show, as I say, called Don't Give Up Your Day Job. It's got a very similar mandate to mine, but it's delivered in a different style. They're from a kind of different um, world, in a way, of uh, of uh, creatives and so on uh, than, than I am, which makes for fascinating um, uh, guests uh, in terms of I've listened to people on theirs I've, I've now heard of and uh, very much enjoyed them. And I'd like to think that uh, we did a good job, him being a guest as he hosts as well. So it felt in the spirit of some of those overseas shows where they swap um, being guest and host with reckless abandon. Thank you to Halitel. They sent some beers. Dave sent some beers um, after a wee while. All I had to do was ask, and I did. I had so much planned for this, but I think the Kane Charter story is enough. Now, there's a little pink piece of paper around. Oh, God. 
I hope I, I forgot that. I'm not going to stop this one. Basically, uh, I'm on Google Podcasts now. I'm on iHeartRadio, which is a local um, platform of one of the big radio networks. Of course, still find us on Apple. I'm not sure happening, what's happening with iTunes, but they're going to Apple Podcasts. Then on all those other usual um, podcast providers, those bots seem to find me and slip me in there. Ooh, and I'm on Spotify now because I applied and they said yes to this punk indie project that um, I supply free content to for uh, the billionaire owner just in his 30s of Spotify. So uh, between him and Apple, not sure where to send the invoice. Hope you enjoy the show. Jesus, it's been eight minutes. This is Dr. Tannen's Verbal Highs. I've told I've got a good radio voice. <laughs> yeah, but my technique's everything it as is. well. Absolutely. I just realized Knowing I'm... to pull back when you go for a big laugh. Yeah, you know? if we're to pull back. Um, yeah. I'll just, um, just realize I've forgotten my tea and yep. your... Um, your tea... My, ba- uh, my bag plate. Your bag plate. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave home without one. Right. Um, so. I like the um, record collection and the, the dominant um, role that the player has up there. It's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I... Yeah. Um, I this might be one of these properly live intros where I leave all of this in the new right. space. Yeah. Um, I used to DJ a lot. Oh, yeah. And I had a setup set up there, uh, not there, um, for years, you know, mixer, two turntables, but I kind of felt a bit grown up in this place to have a kind of <laughs> sort of like, you know, early 20s Starship Enterprise. Really? So you feel a, set up in the, you feel a new pressure. It's the, gro- it's the growing up. It's slightly elevated on the, um, on the stand there, one record at a time, sit back, consider the grooves. That sounds concerning to me. It sounds like you're losing something rather than gaining, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're gaining the place, which is cool. It's a nice place. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But, but are, you, are you losing your youth? Um, well, since I've been teaching, I've become painfully aware of uh, my age. I sort of right. went from like, I don't know, it just suddenly felt like 10 or 15 years was gained in a really positive, in a really positive way. Right. Well, that's how old are you? I, I, I'm uh, 24, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I just turned 40. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're is, of a similar vintage. Well, I, yeah, it's a very strange number to hit, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I certainly don't feel it. Well, I, I don't think I live a conventional 40-year-old's life, you know? I think it's generational, too. Like, it's probably yeah. come up on your show with people, like, the pressure. I don't even know if it's pressure, but the the sort of desire or pressure or the societal norm to get old isn't like what it was in our grandparents or parents generation well we don't i don't know about you but we don't see our parents in ourselves you know we i don't know what your parents are like but my parents were very normal middle class went to the office had a job you know that kind of thing well they didn't skateboard with their kids like they see now (laughs) they didn't collect vinyl toys i don't know if i ever saw my dad wear a t-shirt they didn't have you're right they didn't have 24 pairs of nikes (laughs) (laughs) it's the little things right my guest today um well tonight actually uh, this is uh, this is a late recording. It's good. Is um, Danny McCrum? He has a, a podcast which we'll chat about in a second. That's why I'm quite excited uh, tonight, actually, because I want I want I, I like the idea of the cross pollination of shows. Absolutely. Uh, he's also a guitarist and singer, solo artist, session musician. He's released three albums. Um, been a full time musician for over uh, fourteen years now, and played support for numerous artists, including Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Joan Armour, Trading, Simple Minds, Brian Ferry. Tommy Emmanuel, haven't heard that name for a minute, um, John Mayer, and many more, the Australian guitar virtuoso. virtuoso. Yeah. He currently tours with a number of acts and runs a, a successful production company, Kilda. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here. So how did you guys get into 
doing the show were you like me and that you were just listening suddenly to shitloads of podcasts and then we're yeah. like hey we can do this pretty much yeah we both had become fans of podcasts on, on our own ways yeah um bobby uh, bobby kennedy uh who i do the show with yeah um he had an idea to, to produce a documentary some years back yeah um and he couldn't quite get it together in the sense that he couldn't get support he tried to sell it to a few different companies and things but he just couldn't get it picked up about well he wanted to put a documentary together that really shone a light on the reality of the business you know yeah. um, because there's a lot of stuff out there which of course is oh the music industry the music industry yeah. and also just the creative industries in general yeah. um, he's also very passionate about film as well yeah and i think we've all probably noticed how detached sometimes the information that goes to the public is versus the reality of what it's like to be actually be in the business yeah. you know so he had been thinking on these terms and he thought well it'd be great to have a documentary that actually showed what it's really like to be a professional in the creative world um, so so more than just something to entertain audiences but almost like a av handbook for the yeah. budding creative well he had been a drummer in one of the most successful bands in new zealand history in, op op shop, in, op in op shop you yeah. know and he had all sorts of different experiences with people some people assumed that they were multi-millionaires and other people assumed that they were absolutely broke. You know, people yeah. have very weird views on what musicians' lives are like. Or, pe or some people just have no perspective or don't even... It's not even that... It, it's just that they don't even consider what goes on when that person isn't on the stage. That's right, yeah. So and I, I don't blame them either. Yeah. Because we, we actually deceive our audiences by constantly giving them the PR spin. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that's I think that's why he was thinking, well, wouldn't it be great to actually talk about what it's really like? Because yeah. it's actually more exciting in a way. And, 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 and so the, I'm guessing the long story short is that it was quite hard to get off the ground in comparison to a, a show like you guys have started podcast-wise. Yeah, he couldn't get support for it. I think, I think he said a lot of people were afraid to touch the subject right? because um, it sounds kind of risky to some people. Yeah. Um, we were touring together for quite a few years in a particular thing. Yeah. And um, as we were doing that, we kept having these conversations. He told me about it and I said, well, maybe the easier way to do it is to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, it's not as expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have to get anyone to pick it up. We can do it ourselves. And also having a wide range of guests and a large number of guests, which yeah. you, you couldn't fit that many guests into a, a, an hour and a half documentary. No. So we get actually more information. You know, yeah. It's more useful. And where did you start the show? I think it was early 2016. Ah, our shows do have a lot of similarities. I wasn't, yeah. I mean, I was, I was late 2016, but just right. thought we were talking about um, off air, <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, uh, we've got a similar amount of episodes and kind of a similar format. Like you guys do the sort of like catch up with me. It's kind of a sort of existential rant, random mix of like, <laughs> You know, the good times and paranoia. Right. And yours is obviously because there's two of you kind of banter, banter, and then you go into the guest, right? So That's I'm right. guessing you record the, the guest and then do the chat to sort of, that's how I do it, to sort of the mm. chats situates it in the time that I'm posting it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I sometimes find getting those together harder than recording the actual episode. Why is that? You're on, your, you're on your own, aren't you? Yeah, it's just kind of what to say and, you, you and how to say You find it hard to, to book yourself in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just weird. And sometimes I have like wee moments of like, well, not paranoia, but it's kind of like, why am I kind of throwing out the behind the scenes part of my life in these intros? <laughs> and you know what it is? It's basically like on a good day, it's a homage to Mark Maron. Yeah. On a, on a bad day, it's a ripoff. Were you listening yeah. to shows like that? To yeah, get that, absolutely. Get that format? Huge yeah. fan of Mark Maron. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what did you think of the Obama episode? Pretty, oh, was, pretty special, right? It was fantastic. I mean, they talked a lot about the shooting that had just happened, which of course was very important. Right. It was yeah. important that they shot it, that they talked about it. Yeah. Um, I, it, but in the, at the same time, I 
wish that I mean I wish that hadn't happened anyway obviously yeah. with the shooting but uh, I also wish that the interview could have happened without that being the main theme because it would have been yeah. I thought it was a great interview and it was really interesting well <coughs> excuse me as a fan I'm assuming I really loved that and it'll come back to what you're saying funnily enough about the behind the scenes of yeah. creativity and so on or being in the public eye um, I almost equally enjoyed that episode where him and Brendan, his producer, just yes. talked about how it all came together. And I don't know if you recall, but Maron said, um, I wasn't actually going to bring up, I think it was Sandy Hook or something like that at the time. He was like, I wasn't actually going to bring that up. He did? Yes. Or something, That's right. something like that. I remember that. But to you, what we originally opened this topic on, it's funny because although the doco didn't go ahead, the whole shtick of the style of podcast we're discussing is kind of by its nature behind the scenes or open or not edited right. or all the you know chatty bits around the main kind of what would normally be mediated and put on tv and, yeah. and radio so you're sort of doing it by the by the nature of the style of what you're doing right? i think that's right and i think that's why it's so important because it's one of the only places left in, in modern culture where you have absolutely honest authentic conversation that's right and I mean, we had um, Dave Baxter on the show a year or two ago, and, yeah. and he he was you know Avalanche City, and yeah. the whole court case thing had just happened, and the verdict had come out, and the whole you know it took I, his, it, his, I listened to that. That was fascinating, and it was interesting because at that week um, he when it all came out into the and got in the news and everything, um, he turned down interviews with some pretty major networks yeah. and accepted the com- the yeah. podcast with us, and we asked him why, and he said because. I couldn't fit the story into two minutes. Yeah. You know? That's I, right. The, sound, to... the soundbite is the soundbite culture yeah. is kind of dying by That's nature right. of it. And I actually was saying to a colleague at work the other day, I mean, I, you can't directly relate these things, but I, you know, it's all a, many things influence how things change. But mm. I look at like, um, I was watching them before you came on over, how Hillary Barry and um, who I call newsboy, um, Jeremy <laughs> interact on seven sharp. Now I reckon things like podcasts have got to have an influence on that. that there's right. this kind of irreverent, it's not really mediated media, yeah. you know, they're just kind of chatting and being themselves. I think, more. I think authenticity sells, even if it's not authentic. I think that's why we have a lot of things coming out being pitched as being organic or authentic or profound or whatever. Yeah. And, and, whether it is or not is almost not the point. It's got to, they've got to pitch it like that because that's popular right now. Yeah, you know, I, I, like I, someone played me this um, this YouTube clip the other day of this this band. I can't remember who the band was, uh, but it was like a, a number of young people standing in a row, all hitting things, and it was sort of an arty unconventional thing yeah and i said isn't this amazing don't they sound amazing just standing there just hitting things <laughs> and all singing whatever and i said yeah it does sound it really did sound amazing you yeah know, it, do, it does sound amazing pity it's not real why is it not real well like listen i said listen to how well the vocals are, are recorded. i got you there's, I got no, you. there's no mics trying to look try, trying to look <laughs> trying to look indie and like yeah. lo-fi as hell but, but there were no mics yeah. in the shot it was so well recorded it was definitely done properly <laughs> you know I knew this would happen. It's unsurprising for me. Like, I've really grown, and, you know, your perspective changes if you talk to people for 80 minutes about their life at a time. But I think I've noticed my perspective changing on a number of of things, and it's just basically growing. Also, the world's been through quite a few changes since we started the podcast, funnily enough. You know, I mean, for example, the Me Too movement has been a huge thing. And uh, did you listen to the recent Marin episode with, uh, oh, crap, what's her name? Um, this is like a good turning into a Maron. A Maron um, special. Like a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had, a, I had, a, I had a listener go. He goes, mate, you've got to stop talking about Rogan. On, <laughs> there was a period I went through for about ten episodes. Anyway, so um, you you look you look that up. The episode with I tell you. So on the Me Too thing, it's unrelated, but it's related to gender. My yeah. issue with my show, and I've had a couple of 
people point it out in what I feel is an unhealthy way, like because uh, I'm not actually bound to like broadcasting rules, but at the same yeah. time I'm painfully aware and I'm not I'm not that stoked with the fact I tend to have a lot of old white dudes on. <laughs> I, I need more female guests, and to your guys' credit, I, right. I, I was you had a, you had a great mix of guests when, yeah. when I looked. Yeah, is that big idea um, hookup you guys got? Do they? How did you get them involved supporting it? Do they help you get guests or? Um, no, they've suggested one or two. Um, they've, yeah. they've put a couple forward, uh, but no, they don't seek guests out for us. Um, that was a, a connection through Bobby, um, where I think he had a relationship with them through some other means, and yeah. and we said, look, look, this really seems to fit what you guys are about. And, yeah, you know, and they agreed. So. So do they help? I mean, you don't, you don't have to get into specifics. I'm just interested in how different mm. people are putting shows together. Do they sort of help you out financially, or do they help no. you out promoting it? Or no, they help us out promoting it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a great websites. it's a great name to have behind you because yes. they are again this you know of 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 Legitimizes the ilk of what you're doing. The um the name I was trying to remember is Eve Ensler. And she was a, oh the book that she wrote about her father yeah oh my was, gosh she was severely abused and it was um it's an intense episode it is it's, but it's, it's it's I think it's very important you know it, it is yeah yeah um, but what I was going to say about the Me Too thing is is that when that whole subject blew up um, and we we were we weren't really going into it to any great depth I mean we I don't think either of us felt like we had a position you know to talk from yeah um, but I we talked about it a little bit from time to time and. I just noticed over the over the years, over the months at least, that our our comments would start to change a little bit yeah. as we were listening. Because I think the first thing was a little bit defensive. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. And I made some. I made. I didn't mean to make. But I, I said the classic line: "You're not supposed to say not all men." And then I had someone explain to me why that's not a great thing to say. I probably said the same thing. Yeah, and it's literally true. Not yeah. all men are scumbags. Yeah. It is literally true. But it's an irrelevant point. It is. And, and yeah. what and what women have gone <laughs> what women have gone through yeah. needs to be talked about. And listening to that recent episode on on of Marin's um, was one more moment where it just blew my mind. And I thought, well, I really don't know enough about this. You know. Well, also when you're producing so many hours of conversation you know you do have other stuff in your life you have you know commitments you have mm. levels of energy you know my point there is that you know Maron like any other host will go through phases of being particularly on point yep. and um yeah I thought that was a real return to to the form of like why his show is so successful That's when right. I listened to that because yep. he handled it really well he did you yep. know absolutely um, I listen. What have I listened to on yours? I listened to Peter Dickens because he used to be my boss. <laughs> uh, I listened to Stephen Gallagher because he's uh, yeah. a good old friend, Lovely and guy. I think he listens to most of these. Hi, yeah. Steve. <laughs> and I dude. listened to Gene Rivers. Oh, yeah. um, I've listened to a few others. They're just the three that I plucked today from looking at one page, and I thought I'd mention Gene because it relates to the like getting pe- different people's perspective and so on. Like yeah. what I've appreciated listening to your guys' show is that you're from a different musical world to me yeah and it's sort of like opened my perspective to like there isn't just lewis's perspective on something there's like <laughs> guys have come up through this band like he's come up through op shop while i was out of new zealand so i kind of the early 2000s is, is sort of a blank spot mm. in my new zealand musical history right and just hearing you guys talking to gene and kind of learning about dj culture was really interesting yeah you know that's a, that's actually a good example of a learning moment for us yeah yeah i yeah. still i still um have a few opinions on that but but yeah gene certainly you gave still me have a, a few opinions on that what's that where does that go well, that, I, I, sort of, it's just like i just drop so, it in there and move on you know <laughs> I, I love the argument about whether DJs are musicians. I think it's a hilarious argument. I feel like it's it's like 
being an actor playing a doctor in a TV show and then saying you're a doctor. Some some um, have good taste and yeah. put just put records on. Some have <laughs> some have bad taste and just put records on. But I think you learn about kind of composition yeah. and um, rhythm and sure. what works well together. And a good DJ set has a high level of musicality and skill so i don't know do we want to go down this rabbit hole but well, no there we is musicianship involved i don't know if it's very interesting to go down but the only thing that i'd want to add is that i don't i think what might fuel that argument is that some musicians are probably dismissive of djs yeah, yeah. and so it's probably in some ways djs saying hey we are actually good at something we do, we have a skill yeah. and i totally agree with that and, um, I t- and i'll tell you what's interesting now is because i know i'm woefully behind technology wise mm. these days but the production dj thing is becoming really blurred anyway yeah. a lot of the controllers and stuff coming out it's certainly not just i shouldn't say just it's not <laughs> mixing <clears throat> two compositions together mm. and creating a new one it's actually doing a whole lot of other stuff on the fly so i listened to an interesting podcast with Tom Larkin, where he was talking about you know how he thinks and what he sees because he's really involved at different levels of the industry, as you know. Yeah, um, he predicts a sort of a new breed of musician that doesn't just play guitar or doesn't just DJ or doesn't just this. That people are going to get really kind of is ambidextrous the right word like multi skilled on a number of instruments and forms. I think you know? that's already happening. Sorry, well, it's already happening, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and yeah. I was actually just about to sort of throw musicians under the bus a little bit by saying we're already sort of blurred in our skill set because, as I'm sure you know, you can go to the studio these days with very little talent and make an album, yeah. <laughs> thanks to technology. Well, see, so, I'd say the talentless person that goes and makes an album is less a musician <laughs> than the skilled DJ. I totally agree with you. Really <laughs> I totally agree with you. So shall, the shall lines we, are too blurred. Shall we hug? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I just so back to the podcast. I wanted to ask you more stuff. Like, so what about? Um, I just think that there's a real, um, there's a real, not dismissal. That's wrong. There's a <laughs> real blank spot. I think with a lot of New Zealanders at the moment about actual New Zealand shows that are out there. Right. Like, there's you guys. There's myself. There's Simon Sweetman mm-hmm. doing that similar style show. Are there others? I'm looking for intel. Are there sh- other shows like ours that you know about that you listen to locally? Um, there's the Drummers Podcast right. with Andrew Rooney. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, what, but what, no, there is, there is a shortage, I think. What did the drummer get on his test? <laughs> I, I, what did he get? Saliva. <laughs> 
And that's a Tom Larkin joke. So that's one of the best drummers New Zealand's produced, folks. Stop as with long the as hate people mail. Didn't think I said it. That's fine. So how? Yeah. So he just talks to drummers long form. Fascinating. Oh no. He, well, he. I think it's mostly talking to drummers, but yeah. he, he does talk to a few other people as well. Yeah. I think he's starting to open up a bit wider. So. But do you feel? Do you feel like yeah? There's not a real widespread awareness of New Zealand shows like there are of the overseas. I think. Yeah, I think that's true. Opportunity for us to absolutely. Yeah. I think I think I don't know if we're on the cutting edge because podcasts obviously have been around for twenty years, but yeah, and but, we both just said we nicked someone else before, <laughs> yeah, pretty <mate>. much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's happened, you know, thousands of times before in all, all, yeah. all sorts of other fields. Yeah, so. absolutely. The whole world is a sample in two thousand and nineteen. But the question is, how do we connect with audiences? How do we get our podcast heard about? You know, well, that's one a tough one thing, thing I notice because you guys like me do it for love, hmm. and you know, I've thought about it like with what I do. Maybe if I was in London or LA or one of those places, the sort of level of people I'm talking to, and it's very purposeful that I'm not trying to get, you know, big known New Zealand kind of media celebrities. Right. Um, you probably could, you know, make a make a living and get fairly respectable audience numbers doing that. But I'm under no illusion here for the tyranny of population that mm. it's only ever going to get so many people. But what I have noticed is a um, is a is a is a is a is a sort of a plan that seems to work for people globally um, is a sort of an informal network. And I had a look the other day, and there's one called Podcast New Zealand, right? And all their shows are really blandly but cleverly named, and that they all have New Zealand in the title, right? The New Zealand Mechanics Podcast, yeah. The New Zealand you know Electric Vehicle Podcast. Mm. So I think there's a you know if you kind of create a posse or a collective or whatever you'd call it that's one way to do it you well know? i know about those guys and they're, they're they sort of act like a record company oh so really you, you actually sign up to them and, oh, you, you, right. and you sign away a lot of your earnings and your rights but what, what earnings there's no earnings i know but it's still on paper oh, so okay so maybe the, oh right <laughs> that's so why we, did, we, we, right. we spoke to them but we decided not to go ahead oh that's yeah. interesting so yeah. they're predicting a time i mean it's probably quite clever of them a time when there will be that ability. Though in New Zealand, I just don't know population-wise that. Well, regardless, I don't see the point in, in handing over part of your ownership. You know, yeah. I feel the same way about music these days. Yeah. I mean, I feel that the relevance of record companies has significantly decreased. Yeah, you know? I was going to talk um, to you a bit more about that later, actually. Right. But um, look, as I say, I'm lucky through work. Now they want me to, because I am uh, a lecturer up the road at AUT. Yep. Um, I've just been brought on full time there and they kind of want me to concentrate on looking at podcasts at work. So I'm Great. in this brilliant situation where I'm secure, I'm earning okay money and my work is complimenting doing this. Yeah. That's but good. I was going to say one lovely thing is I just put a donate button up because someone said to do it and I've kind of had patrons every year. I had a guy in Brisbane <laughs> Who I don't know from Adam, who um, from memory put a couple hundred bucks, no, whatever it was, in the first year. You're joking. So, so my, I should do that. <laughs> so my, so my, basically my Squarespace subscription has ended up roughly getting paid most years by wow. twenty bucks coming in here, you know, fifty there, so just close, two or three, four people a year. It's lovely. You're close to breaking even then, eh? Well, it's like the old, you know, before the 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 the, the entertainment industry was commercialized in the modern sense you mm. know it ran on patrons right, right. yeah right yeah so we're returning to that <laughs> to that old model in, in in a lot of ways that's great um who, who do you guys um host within all of that like do you, have you have, i'm just interested in that end and i think a lot of people 
listeners will be interested in potentially podcasting or whatever. Like, how, just quickly, how's it all bunged together? Who, who hosts your audio and oh, like the aggregator? Yeah, um, just just yeah. How did you just glue it all together technically? Do you mean in, in regards to how do we get it up online? Well, basically, I chose Squarespace, and oh, yeah. that was a good decision for some reasons. It wasn't such a great decision for other reasons I discovered later. But yeah. it is a great all-in-one package. Right. Like, how do you guys... Because you've got a good website, like myself, and how does it We, we built our website. Our website is with Squarespace. Yeah. Um, we're actually in, in the process of switching it over. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a new website up soon. So you've had some issues, too? No. no? no okay. It's just about managing costs and things. Um, we found a better solution in our opinion, so yep. um, we're switching that over. Um, Squarespace are a fantastic product, um, <laughs> and uh, Ding! Yeah, 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 no, no, nothing against them at all. Yeah, um, no, they are. And yeah. we use a, an online aggregator. We upload it, and it goes out to all the platforms. And we've, oh, that's um, clever. Just what been, is it? It's called Buzzsprout. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask what Buzzsprout was. That's on my list. Right. Yeah. So there that fires it out to Spotify, yep. and because I'm just looking. Oh, not not Spotify, um, but we are on Spotify now. I just got on yeah. Spotify now too, right. and. That's one you have to do manually, yes, but for people right. who don't know, if you find one of our shows on a lot of the other ones, it's actually quite cool, unless you're precious about your content. Mm. I've been quite surprised. Like today, I just looked at Google Podcasts. I'm already on there. Right. Oh, so I'm guessing you will be too, because it'll just be Driftnet fishing yeah. RSS feeds, do, won't it? I mean, I'm actually pretty useless at looking at things online to see where we are. I should probably do that. But um, I, just the other day, I looked around a little bit and found a couple of places like, that's interesting. Yeah. And then I had this really, I, I was actually last, I think, it was last weekend or the weekend before i thought i've really got to try and get us on spot on on spotify yeah so um i went on and filled out the thing and tried to do it and it failed and it like this the form wouldn't even submit oh. and i was like what's going on here tried it again and again and again yeah and then i realized the reason why it wasn't working is because they already accepted it when we tried it two years, two years ago, ago. Or something. Right, well i only found it I, I the way i read it was it's something that happened recently because you know that that guy by the way so all of this sort of all these conversations finally come full circle talking yeah. about economics and, and that side of thing and that it's like I sort of I'll start this punk indie project. I never really I was never going to be because I'm broadcasting background like you know student alternative radio. I'm, yeah. ne- I'm never going. I feel like I'd make a fart joke no one would like if I worked at RNZ, <laughs> and I feel like I'm too buttoned up for commercial radio. Sure. So I've been in this like so it's like yeah, this punk indie yeah yeah. And then what's the first thing you got to do? You got to give one of the biggest corporations in the world, Apple. <laughs> Your content, you know, right, so yeah. like you can't even. I was trying to find the email where I where I send the invoice, and then it's the same thing. Like I just I read about how um, uh, Spotify just pledged five hundred million dollars to invest in podcasting for right. their platform. Is that they, right? They brought Gimlet, which is hugely significant. Gimlet right. have made some smash hit shows mm. in the states. So you know, I put it up on on, on Spotify the other day because you got to, you know, it's it's the mm, main. Yeah. All my students, that's what how they listen to stuff now. Right. But again, I'm like, the irony is not lost on me here. <laughs> yeah. That back in the day, if I gave someone something I made, I invoiced them. But at least you still, <laughs> at least you still own it, and you can say what you want. No, it, you know, no, I'm happy. I mean, we I'm think it's funny everything. being on. We think it's funny being on Spotify uh, because through all of our seventy something episodes, we've been highly critical of. Yeah, them. I've heard that too. Yeah, <laughs> so, talking about streaming music, fucking musicians. Kind well, of that, a thing. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, yeah. but but then now we're on their platform. Although we're, we're of course with Spo- with um, podcasts, it's different because we're not trying to sell the podcast. Yeah, you know, it's up there free, so I don't mind that being. on Well, Spotify. someone said something to me handy early on because I tend to have I have an I, I'm pretty I'm you know I'm, I'm fairly technology savvy I think for for someone of my age but um <laughs> but I I did I was thinking in an old model like I'll build the website I'll put it on iTunes mm. and I'll just keep it there because it's neat and tidy and it looks nice and the website's 
you know, it fucking looks great, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone was like, nah, mate, like, it's great having the website, but just get it out wherever you can. Yeah. yeah. People are not platform or app, you know. I mean, they are to an extent, but right. the more places they can find it, um, right. the more likely it's going gonna, it's gonna to get heard, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Before I move on to something else, interesting stat I heard today, um, Galaxy, or should I say Android, mm-hmm. is the great untapped universe at the moment in terms of like, and this is more about, a, a, it gives you an indication of the demographic of listener. Right. Um, Apple devices are responsible, I'm reading it directly from here, responsible for about 60% of podcast downloads. So let that sink oh. in who the typical iPhone or, uh, user is or whatever. Well, that's me. At, but, right. Yep. But, but Apple has less than a 20% share of the global smartphone market. Android has well over 80%. So what I'm basically saying to you is the majority of people are on the third most sold um, phone or, 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 you know, um, smartphone platform. Yeah. So the Google podcast thing is hugely significant that they, especially when iTunes, you know, iTunes have just announced they're no more. Mm. Well, they're changing it. They're changing it. They're changing it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So... To round that off, I think it's interesting because iTunes just sort of podcasting kind of happened by accident for them. They put it there. But I don't know about you guys. It's funny how little we actually know or are told from iTunes. You just sort of Mm. put it up there. And so it'll be interesting to see even backstage where things like Squarespace and stuff stop changing all their – like when I fill everything out, it's targeted to Apple, you know? Right. So anyway, where'd you grow up? (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in uh, Auckland, in East East Auckland, southeast. Yeah. Buckland's Beach. Buckland Beach. Yeah. Yeah. And what primary school out there? Uh, what primary school? Uh, Mellons Bay Primary School. Mellons Bay Primary yep. School. Small school? Big school? Poor, I don't know. I don't know how it compares to other primary schools. Seemed like a regular sized primary school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, went all through high school? Uh, didn't quite make it. Yep. <laughs> you, I, don't, you don't I, say that. I, it's different <laughs> to saying I left early, saying I didn't quite make it. So... Please. Well, you said, did you get all the way through? Please, and I, no, I didn't, please, didn't quite make it. Please, I, I got expand. A, I got a term into sixth form back yeah. when it was when they were called forms. Yeah, and I left. Um, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't working for me, and yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I struggled at school for a lot of reasons, and um, I left something s- that would be like diagnosed now, like dyslexia or uh, yeah, actually yeah. it's yeah. bang on. Um, I found out in recent years, and I'm quite dyslexic. Yeah, didn't know then. I also found out that my eyesight always was terrible. Yeah, um, I, my eyeballs are the wrong shape apparently. Oh my god, same <laughs> really? stigmatism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got a rugby shaped right eyeball. Right. Yeah. yeah. Twenty twenty vision, but I wear glasses. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, so apparently I could never see, although I didn't realize. Wow. And um, I just I just didn't fit in the curriculum it just wasn't i wasn't the type of kid that was ever going to thrive in that situation and i had a pretty rocky childhood in many ways so so i was just struggling and school wasn't working and i got to um sixth form which was the first year that was fully internally uh, assessed whereas you know fifth form and prior to that had been um that's right and they all they all shuffle for those numbers that stupid Hmm. system yeah and i was just screwed at that point i mean you know half the teachers didn't like me and (laughs) i was just you know well you probably if it sounds like if you're being disruptive or whatever it's because you couldn't fucking see and you were dyslexic yeah exactly yeah (laughs) i I wasn't a a troublemaker no you don't strike me you don't strike me that you would have been no i I wasn't starting things but you're just a little confused (laughs) i'm serious you know yeah well well i was yeah i mean i was i was well, part of the thing about being dyslexic is that it's not necessarily a flaw. It's just a different way of processing. Yeah. You know, so, but I didn't know that until many years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but 
uh, yeah, it just wasn't the environment that I should have been in, really. Yeah. And I remember, uh, like music, for example, I was terrible at theory, and I was, I was, I was fundamentally terrible at sitting exams. Yeah. Even even if I knew half the stuff, it would go out of my head. Yeah. You know, in that yeah. moment. Yeah. So um, I remember in fifth form music, I did really badly in the theory side of things, yeah. the exam side but of things. But the performance side, you nailed. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. All the points there, yeah. so I passed yeah. passed easily. Um, sixth form, completely eternally assessed, and no practical side of yeah, music. Yeah. And I thought that's ridiculous. That's so like what, going what, to what, what are they? You probably don't even remember. What are they assessing? Like reading sheet music, and I can't remember. And, no. and, I, and I only did a term. Yeah. But I remember saying at the time, it's like going to woodwork, you know, class, and yeah. never building anything, just yeah. reading books about it. I was like, that's bullshit, you know. It's curious that your eyes weren't spotted, just because I, I had this, not the opposite, but, hmm. but I had. Uh, well, I suppose I did have the opposite, where. I've got these daggy photos of me, like, three or four years old, this huge pair of glasses kind of held on by elastic. Right. Because they, they, they picked the lazy eye, but then when I was about nine or ten, they said, you don't need to wear glasses anymore, and then I started getting crazy headaches in the middle of the night in my oh, late 20s. Right. And started wearing them again. But, yeah, I, I can't imagine it not having been picked up early on like i don't know how no one could have noticed that you i think some yeah. kids just don't get looked at right you know it's, yeah. it's not like they they were paying attention to me and missed it they just weren't paying attention right i mean i had uh i think it was the i can't remember who she was actually it was a teacher at primary school she might have been like the principal's wife or something um, yeah. and she might have worked in the in the office or yeah. i can't remember who she was but she noticed when i was about seven or eight that i couldn't read yeah she just finally clicked one day hey yeah. this kid can't read yeah, yeah. my teacher had my actual teacher that's, hadn't that's noticed a good teacher and she she gave me um private um tuition what they school. call reading recovery yeah yeah yeah, 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 and, yeah. and she taught me to read wow. and she really changed my life and wow. I, I think i appreciate oh, I that more stories. as i i appreciate it more as i have you, you know, seen her get, in the last few decades or no, no never seen yeah, her never seen yeah, her since yeah um, but she was just one of the few people that actually looked at me and went yeah. hey there's something going on here you know? yeah and then, so it sounds like you don't leave in sixth form with like, hey, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life now. Because I just want to tie this up with, I, I found it curious when I asked your age at the beginning, because yeah. you said I've been, a, it's very pointedly says in your bio, you've been a professional, or you've been um, full-time full time yeah. for 14, 16 years. So yeah. there is a gap there. So what happened after school? And Yeah, well, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to do something in music. That was yeah. sort of a given. Um, when I was, I've, uh, one of the things about me is I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at problem solving. Yeah, and when I was in sixth form and things weren't working out, and I just remember thinking, um, I'm wasting my time. I'm not getting anything out of this. My parents have paid yeah. for me to be here, and that the money's going to waste. I'm losing a year. What yeah. can I do to turn this around? Yeah, and so um, it was actually my music teacher that that put me over the line, made me leave school because yeah. she, she was a pretty awful person. Yeah, and I, um, I had an awful music teacher too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it's the thing about music teachers, <laughs> but. Um, uh, I I decided that maybe the best thing to do would be to get what um, I didn't know the term internship, but yeah. I thought maybe well, it didn't really it wasn't really in the vernacular it's then. More man. of an American thing, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. but I thought maybe I could get an internship in a recording studio because yeah. then I'd be actually in the business and learning about it. Great. So and you were like music is my occupation from early on. I'd been performing since I was twelve, yeah. and I'd made yeah. my decision about music before that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I I wrote letters to every single recording studio in the Yellow Pages, yeah. asking <laughs> them if I could come and work. For yeah. Nothing or for free, yeah. You know, and um, York Street Stebbings, all of them, yeah, yeah, all yeah, of them. yeah, yeah. 
and yeah. I heard back from none of them except uh, one who yeah. said yes. Yeah. And I got a, a unpaid job at a little tiny studio under a radio station in um, town. Awesome. So I had to catch a bus and all this. Yeah, you good know. on you, man. And I did that until they relocated. And after that, I went and got a job and I moved out of home really young. And yeah. um, then, then the next that gap you're talking about was a few years of of being in rock bands and so you got a job in a studio based on the fact you'd intern and got your chops up and got a good reference kind of a thing. pretty much yeah, yeah. awesome and, yeah. I, and i remember just sitting there cheaper than a student loan well exactly i thought people are paying to get a course to learn how to be a sound engineer yeah, yeah. i'll just go straight to the studio mm. <laughs> it makes more sense to me yeah um i was terrible at it and i and i also learned through that that i didn't want to be a sound engineer yeah um but um in the process i learned a lot about recording. We we made loads of jingles and various people's albums and things. Well, having that three sixty view of um, how a, a whole environment or you know ecosystem works is, mm. is really handy. I kind of got that out of um, student radio, out of BNet, like because there's just so little money yeah. to go around. You right. end up going, oh, I'll try my hand at production. I'll try my hand at sales. That's or, right. You know, it's mm. like you, that wouldn't happen in a big corporate. Radio environment. Exactly. And I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, it's a really important point. Um, And once that studio gig finished for me, I went and bounced around rubbish jobs for a number of years. Yeah. Hated every minute of it. And I was broke the whole time and the whole thing. The usual young person. What were you doing if it wasn't engineering in the studios? You mean jobs? Oh, just jobs, just like job jobs. Oh, no, just other jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did retail. I made some coffee, mate. I've made some coffee in my time. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yeah. But oh, you mean in the studio or out of the studio? Oh, no, no. Because in the studio, I was definitely coffee, mate. I'm being confusing now. (laughs) No, I was meaning, you know, other jobs. I just realized Tomo listens a lot. My good friend is a very talented and long term barista. I'm not. Uh, not deriding the coffee making profession, but I'm saying I've done work, um, you know, hospital, retail, all of that stuff. Yeah, get by work. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a, I've learned so many good things from those jobs I had. Like I worked yeah. in a sheet metal factory. Well, for you example. learn how to graft. Yeah. you know, I have people in the world I work in now of academia. Yeah, when it's on, it's on. Like marking and stuff's the most, you know, it's the most grueling part of the job. It only gets more <laughs> grueling. Right. But people who say this works really hard work you know we're yeah. really hard worked i'm like you have not grafted right this is as long as you get this it's it's like results based yeah. so i don't have to be there tomorrow at 8 30 in the morning no one will check yeah you know yeah so you learn how to graft and man. i have a very deep respect for people that work hard yeah. you know so yeah. when i worked in the sheet sheet metal factory i knew that i didn't want to stay there no but i i never looked down on my colleagues yeah. I, I thought man these guys work hard you was know? it like in the simpsons when they stop and then the like disco starts and <laughs> lots of sweaty man bodies it was exactly like that oh, i think nice. it was based on the leave? factory i worked in <laughs> it was too much fun you know i couldn't get any sleep right <laughs> um goodness and yeah you you say there's a sort of well, so what was it just um, chipping away, chipping away that that whole time, or was there? I don't know. Just because the way it's worded, it sounds like there was a concerted decision made one day or whatever, like to like, right, I'm going to make myself the player, you know, the business now. Uh, yeah, there kind of was, and yeah. it was the problem that I was trying to solve through those years. Yeah, you know, I I knew that I didn't want to. I felt like I was wasting my time for forty hours a week because yeah. I was trying to do something with my life, yeah. and this was sort of, you know, I yeah, couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah. get into it. Yeah. So then the the question was, how do I go full time with music? And that was it seemed to be the question everybody else was asking too, yeah. and and very few people could figure it out. Then I met one guy I knew um, figured it out, and he went full time. Right, and, and I'm, I like dates. So where are we roughly now? Um, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe about with this conversation is maybe 2002 or three or something. Yeah. And I'd known this guy for a few years because so, we gigged in the same places. Yeah. 
Um, and I, so he said one day in passing, yeah, I went full time. And I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah. and he nailed it. And what he did was he, he, he set up uh, a number of different things under the music umbrella. He, yeah. he basically decided he wasn't going to earn his entire living from one thing. Yeah. He had to get a number of things yep. going. Yep. And I just never had anyone put it that way to me before. Yeah. You know? yeah. so, so now he was writing and releasing original music. He was doing recording jingles. He, yeah. was, he had a covers band. You know, he, all that stuff. You, you know, know what I find interesting that goes hand in hand with that? I mm. think some people tend to be, they have too um, narrower vision of kind of how do i put it what is let's go with this what's cool and what's cheesy and you know what i (laughs) mean so like some people might go i'm not writing jingles i'm a serious musician and where i i you know considered that perspective was my uncles talked about it in the past because he was a working musician for decades in Wellington and in Melbourne. Right. And then when he moved to Melbourne, he answered an ad in what was probably then the Trading Post or whatever Mm. to fix what was called singing machines. Right. Effectively, before Japan rebranded them as karaoke. Right. And so for the last few decades, um, he ended up, got on really well with the guy, almost became like a father figure, Mm. kind of fell into the guy's business and became, my uncle, became the karaoke guy in Melbourne. Now, a lot of people in the music scene would think, oh, that's super cheesy and uncool, but it's been his bread and butter. It's paid the mortgage. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's a, there's an amazing recording studio at the back and stuff. And it was him to me, him that said to me, like, you know, don't, you don't have to be too cool all the time. Well, I always say, you can do cool stuff and do stuff because you want to invoice in the industry that you love. I always say that I I, I always say that ideals are for the unemployed, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And I, and I went back to my band at the time and said, I think we should start doing this other stuff. And and most of them told me to get fucked. Um, (laughs) A couple of them, a couple of them stuck with me and I had to replace a few guys. And, and um, there was quite a, a bit of upheaval at that time. But my attitude was that when you get started, and I think this relates to just business in any in any industry, yeah. but when you get started, you just have to get the thing off the ground. Yeah. You have to get to break even first. Yeah. You have to do whatever you have to do to get to that point. When you get choosy is later. Yeah. You know, that's when you've built the business up and you're solid enough. Well, you've recorded you know, albums that, that are your work since then. You've done right. all of that. Well, yeah. it enabled me to do that. Yeah. I wouldn't have been no, able I get to it. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that people just have a, a reversed, uh, they've, got the, they've got it back to front. And so was it just in that early period when you were told that it's kind of, oh, it's not pre-internet at all, but um, was it just um, door knocking, emailing, like once you were like, I sort of see it like I'm increasing my portfolio, whatever yeah. that means. Was yep. it just like knocking, same thing you'd done earlier on with the with getting the recording studio internship, just going, hey, yeah. I'm yeah. here, I can do stuff. Hustling. Yeah. yeah. When I, I look back now and I can't quite believe what I did, to be honest with you. And I suppose <laughs> home recording equipment was becoming a bit more sort of accessible in terms of it was, not but, just being a tape-based four-track. But so I could, was shit at it. I, I, right. I had no idea. I had, huh. Back then, I had this horrible little thing that was, that was, a, it was a digital thing, but it was worse than those old Tascam yeah, yeah. cassette things we always to use. Uh, no, I was definitely behind the game on that side of things. Took me so a few what, years. what were you doing in those first few years that changed everything? Um, I was getting gigs. I was booking. I set myself up as, an, as a booking agent before everyone else did. And for I, overseas acts, no, no, for for New Zealand acts, like booking covers bands and booking street performers and things like that. Gotcha. So you take a little cream off the top mm. and you get them an itinerary of places to play. Uh, no, I was actually focused on the clients. So 
I was going to event managers and wedding planners and and corporate clients and so on and saying I can give you the entertainment you need for your events. Yeah, and then I because I already knew so many musicians and other good people. good on you. Um, so I you're just, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and then you, the yeah. band gets a gig and you get a little booking fee and yeah. everyone's happy. That's right. And I did yeah. that for four or five years until I didn't want to do it anymore. Promoting's um, just a, a sort of another level of that. So I've almost thought of it as a form of gambling in a lot of ways. <laughs> it is. Have you got in the, been in the promoting game at all? Have you? I haven't, and no. I don't have the desire. Are you a risk averse personality? No, I'm not risk averse <laughs> at all. I, I wouldn't be a musician. It rained. <laughs> it rained that night. I lost all my money. <laughs> no, I, a joke about that in Wellington. You put a show on at the Union Hall, which is I don't know how well you know Wellington, but it's a trek up the hill yeah. to the Uni. <laughs> you know, you get a cold night and rain. It's like. Oh, just stayed home and had some beers and <laughs> yeah. eh? promoters up there, like three people in the room. Well, I worked with a lot of promoters. <laughs> I worked with um, one particular promoter a lot, and I remember him explaining the business model to me that he loses money on nine out of ten gigs, and he goes, "You got to have the capital." See, that is that is casino table. That is casino is. table life plan. It really man. is, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he makes a lot of money when he gets it right. A but lot the rest of, money. of the time, he's losing. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you have to go into that kind of business with money. I yeah. always found it. Is it Campbell Smith, the big day out guy? Is it Campbell? Uh, I, Campbell I, something, isn't it? I don't it? remember if he's behind Big Dale. You know, I always just, I always just yeah. thought, you know, what a huge operation and what a huge, you know, it was really sad to see it. Um, I don't know if you saw that footage of the of the last one at Mount Smart, but it was almost like, I think they opened it up. Basically, you brought, if you bought some old memorabilia at the end of the day, they'd let you in for free. That's how under-attended it was oh, wow. at the end. I'd say, you know, it's just a, an interesting, you know, kind of case study of, of, that, of that whole racket. Yeah, a lot of changes. Um, and you eventually get to recording an album. Um, when mm. was the first album? 2007. 2007? Yep. Awake and Restless. Yourself as, um, you know, under your name or as a band? Uh, I was under my name, and at the time I attached the word band on the end of my name, which I now regret, but... <laughs> but um, that's what we did. Yeah, we had yeah. been we had been a band prior to that, um, and when all that upheaval happened, um, I had gotten tired of band culture um a lot of problems in bands unless they're set up properly funnily yeah. enough now i would know how to set a band tired up of band culture what does that mean well tired of um uh musicians are not great at sending setting up business structures yeah you know so bands often say we don't have a leader we're a democracy and i always say yeah. well democracies have leaders that's why we've got a prime yeah. minister you know yeah um, yeah there's there's usually someone who's putting in more effort than someone else and yeah. th- those dynamics aren't resolved very easily a lot of the time yeah yeah and then when it comes to recording an album or an ep or anything like that who's going to front the money you know yeah, and you, yeah. you've got one guy who's really committed but you know the others yeah. don't have the money or whatever yeah and all of those problems went away as soon as i just made up my thing right and i had the same guys it was better for them because yeah. i paid them to come to the studio i was gonna say so you're, <laughs> you're, you're employing them yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i basically put them on contract i still gave them artistic input yeah. um so they actually got a really good deal out of it and i got to to make it make sense on a business level and i invested I think I've spent 21 grand of my own money on that yeah. first album and I broke even on that album after 10 months. Wow. And I was um, able to do this that. This is back you know? when albums were selling, eh? Well, yeah, but I actually didn't make <laughs> the so money. Gonna, I, oh, I, did, I didn't make the money from selling albums. Right. I made the money Touring. from, I mean, I did sell albums, but I made the money actually from licensing and syncing and that sort of thing. Right. So you so, figured out how to license as well. You mm-hmm. weren't having someone else doing that for you. Well, I was just taking pot shots. Like, <laughs> well, how do you do this? that? It's, it's fascinating. So this is all, mm. you just approach TV um, producers. Pretty and, much, yeah. I made quite a bit of money out of Shorten Street and Air New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah, um, yeah. you know, were great, and yeah, yeah. well, you know, the Knocked Up story, right? Uh, no, Savage, you know, got the Savage, Savage getting that record on Knocked Up, 
right. getting that tune on Knocked Up. I don't how, remember what Knocked Up is. Knocked Up is a early Judd Apatow film. Oh, is it? It's oh, a right. great comedy. It's about a um, guy. Uh, it's a you know, it's a, what's about. Uh, somebody gets knocked up and is it? pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's a but surprise. But I think Savage got swing or something like that on that soundtrack, and then it just went nuts on yeah. iTunes back in the dollar and iTunes song right. days. And but that's how Savage is. It was not just that; it's a whole lot of graft and work following that. Yeah. But that's how Savage got into the US market. Well, Bobby was saying that's a similar story to you know what blew up for Op Shop. They had their song on Outrageous Fortune. And so he said people knew the song but didn't know who the band was. Yeah. And then they played on Christmas in the Park and yeah. people made the connection and that, people, was, it. that pe- was it. Yeah, we forget yeah. because we're like music's a, a massive focus in our lives. Yeah. But, you know, that's how a lot of people find music. They go, I like that song on that record or that, I mean, on that um, movie or, or that TV yeah. show or whatever. Yeah. You know? So you were playing, so your dulcet tones were playing in the background of the cafe in Shorten Street or whatever. Yeah, I actually... Right. I actually Did you would, even know what, how would you know what to charge? Do you ask around to oh, other it's, people? It's, it's all set up. That we, oh, we, don't, okay. we don't negotiate okay. that. We just okay. get top. We get paid a certain amount per minute. Sorry, I cut yeah. you off there. You're saying I actually... Oh, no, I had a great moment. I didn't, I didn't get to see it. Um, I've since tried to look it up and couldn't for the life of me figure out how to find it. But there was apparently an episode of Shorten Street yeah. that had been... The story had been building up where these two teenagers had decided they were first going to sleep together. They're going to yeah. lose their virginity together. Oh, right? You were the and cherry popping music. I was, yeah. <laughs> they find, And apparently it built up over episodes. They get to the moment and the guy goes, I'm just, I'll put some music on, set the mood. And he puts on one of my songs. And I was told about that a couple of weeks later. I was like, oh, yes! You've got to find that. It's got to be somewhere. I know that back in the day... Um, tape used to be so expensive that a whole lot of TV, not just in New Zealand, but a yeah. number of places, is just gone because right. they go over stuff. But I think Shorten Street is new enough that they would be archiving. They, they yes, would, but if they, you're me and you go online and you go and you're, you're searching <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for, you know, Shorten Street virgins, uh, you know, you just you just don't get any sense. Turn that safe search on. <laughs> but 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 um but but um oh I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> but um. But it will be somewhere, even maybe, um, yeah, sniff around TV. I mean, you've struck me as quite resourceful so far if you can't find a shortened street. Well, that sounds like a challenge. Yeah, that is. It is. <laughs> it was a direct challenge. It, it is. This yeah. is becoming abrasive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and then, do you know, tell me that Elite Music then was your label? No, Elite Music was a distributor based in Nelson. Right. And unfortunately, they got knocked out by the recession a couple of years later. But at the time, they were really, really great. And they were hugely supportive. So, Well, this is where it's interesting because your next album, Say What You Mean, in 2009, mm. I see the universal um, uh, distribution or, or support or however you're involved with them. Mm. This, I, I, re- I looked at this today and I thought, shivers, that's just when the arse started really falling out of, of sales, isn't it? Yes, I, I, I timed it perfectly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Because I've heard you guys talk, you know, on your, I know it's a topic you cover a lot on your podcast, mm. but from someone who's been a working musician for years, goodness, this is so broad, like, <laughs> what have you seen change-wise? How do you feel about the changes that have happened and how have you adapted? I think that's good three. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, We, I mean, I think with the first record, we had all the same hopes and dreams as everybody else. Yeah. Um, When we we actually signed a record deal with a company called Liberation, and they distributed through Universal. They're Australian, aren't they? They are, yeah. Yeah, But they have a New Zealand, or at least they did have a New Zealand league. I don't know if they do now. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so that was all very exciting. We expected great things, and we sort of, it was a bit of an anticlimax in the end. It didn't really... We didn't get the results we were looking for. It's and global timing. It's nothing anyone did wrong, right? It's what I'm talking about. It, it was the industry, the music industry yeah. and the recession all happening at once. Yeah. Um, and I think there were some bad decisions made. I think they chose the wrong single, for example. Yeah. Um, and we, we 
it's one of those moments where you think, if I could go back now, <laughs> I'd do it better. So you, know? you sort of felt, is it sounding like, because you were with a bigger organization, I don't know if intimidated is too stronger a word, but you mm. felt you sort of didn't speak up because it's like, oh, I'm dealing with freaking universal and liberation. I did, and, I did speak up, right. but I didn't get heard. Yeah. Yeah. Which is often the way with those sorts of things. Yeah. And the thing about a record deal also is that you really have to be top bill. You have to be top priority. Yeah. Otherwise, you just fall down the list. Yeah. And, uh, and we weren't top priority, you know. So um, it, it, the, the thing I think that surprised me the most about that experience was that on the first album, I had been able to really go out and work my ass off yeah. to get to generate money and to promote the album yeah. and all the, all the rest of it. But because we were now signed with the second album, I yeah. wasn't actually allowed to do anything yeah. because it had to go through them. You sound like someone who does best when you're in control of what's going on, man. Well, it's not a, <laughs> but it's not a control issue. Yeah. It's just that they weren't being proactive. Yeah. I'm instinctively yeah. proactive. Yeah. And I got frustrated because I was like, just yeah, let so me do it. So you weren't in control. Well, yeah, but I would have been happy to hand over the control if they were proactive. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you'd lie on the couch now. Let's talk about control. Okay. <laughs> so, so was it also one of those scenarios where they um, are basically lending you a whole lot of money that you have to pay back at the same time? For your no, kind of, it, it wasn't. Okay, a, so you went wined and dined. No, and, no, 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 no. Right. No. So we did get you. So, the, so to the wider industry, like, I mean, I heard it's weird. I sort of, sort of like, seems like a Tom Larkin fanboy just because I've listened to really <laughs> two really. I've always found him and John really fascinating when they speak about anything. Yep. And um, he's very insightful about the industry, as I say, because he manages, he runs a recording studio. Obviously, producer. he's a long-term singer and player. He's a producer. Yep. Yep. And I listened to a great, I'll send you the link later on, a great music-focused podcast coming out of Australia. Yeah. He was a guest on. Cool. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to bust it. I'm gonna, not going to get this right, but and I want to go back and watch it again. But, but Tom was basically saying that he thinks the industry is in the healthiest state it's been in ages as of recently. And he thinks that things are on the up. And he thinks that also relating to what you said about what the labels did with you, he said, mm. you know, sort of like with Napster, when Sean, whatever his name is, said, hey, can we work with you? I don't actually want to be ripping you off. Yeah. You know, he thinks that, that um, the industry just um, didn't, react well or or have oh, contingency question. plans in place for ages yes. and streaming and spotify kind of kind of saved them right um what was my point in relation to what i was going to ask you is yeah where are you at now because like with your perspective on that are things like streaming and evil or is it, are things coming right now i think streaming has been unbelievably destructive in our industry and right. I'm, I'm not going to throw it a bone any day of the week yeah good man but but i think um and i and i was really disheartened but when my third album came out it was about the same time spotify came to new zealand yeah and i i saw immediately what was about to happen and that that put me off big time like i really yeah. that hit me hard but um i think he's right about the industry being healthy yeah um it it depends how you what it depends what you focus on if you're talking yeah. about financially healthy not really yeah but creatively it's really healthy yeah, yeah. um one of the things that i've learned about uh, through the podcast um circling back to your other question yeah about you know what have i learned it's called a callback in stand-up comedy it's, folks it's, he just did a callback there you go yeah um is that you uh now i've lost my sorry <laughs> Shut up, Lewis. Um, oh, no, healthy what, industry. I, what I was going to say yeah, was yeah. that was that there's a lot of conversation these days about how great things were and how shit things are now. Yeah. And what we're learning over and over again, talking to artists who have been around for a long time, yeah. things weren't that great. No. You know? I remember actually being on tour with Tommy Emmanuel, and he's he, one day he goes, I just received my first paycheck from an album I released in the 80s. Wow. And I was like, fuck off. That's not real. Really? And he goes, yep, it, it just took that long. They're useless. You know? So wow. I think... Um, 
Bank. Or they're useless, or they're doing that classic thing businesses do where you just hold off as long as you can so you've got yeah. the money in your account. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And every other story, actually, that goes with it. Yeah. But, um, you know, we have independence now, and, and the, the bets are off in a way. I mean, yeah. you, you don't necessarily need to write your 3 minute 30 hit. Yeah. Write, write your 25-minute prog song if you want, because you're yeah. going to get just as many places yeah. as everybody else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. creatively, we, we're sort of off the hook, which yeah. is great. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting, because, as I say, I mean, we, we, are only, we only sort of know intimately our generations the generations sort of come after us and then yeah. you know, maybe up to our grandparents like what a lot of people don't realize you know it comes back to me talking about patronage being an old model and stuff is that really industrialized music industry mm. historically the history of humans making sound is something that was only a few decades old That's before right. it crashed and burned That's you right. know yep. even before the 1950s the music industry looked radically different exactly. that, that, that kind of almost mafioso style of of musician of controlling musicians hey right it's yeah. a 50 year thing it's, it's funny because, because the industry grew with technology and yeah. then technology killed it <laughs> so it's this funny little circle but what i was going to say in the end though is that is is that we to be successful now we have to be smart yeah and i think that musicians often and obviously it's not everyone, yeah. but musicians often think that the record deal or the management deal or whatever yeah. is the is the thing that's going to break them through to this yeah. sort of yeah. utopian yeah. existence where they don't have to do anything. No, I get exactly and, what and you're that, saying. And the money yeah. lands on the limos land on the... Yeah, no, yeah, know, yeah. And, and, it's a naivety, man. Yeah, it's and like also a holy it's, grail it's, it's thing. It's also, you know... Um, kind of blowing up smoke up your ass it's like you set yourself up even though you didn't know this was going to happen hmm. 14 16 years ago whatever it is you say in your bio your method of working and your approach kind of set you up to be fairly um in control compared to maybe others when all of yeah, this went down entirely on accident i'd love to say it was yeah. on purpose <laughs> but uh but i think that's what it comes down to even if even if you make a lot of money or you get a lot of fans or whatever, you still have to run your business, you know? It's funny because I follow her. Um, well, actually, I don't follow him because I thought, I'm going to have one too many drinks one night and I'm going to end up making a not very nice comment about this guy's music career. I was fo- there's a guy. So there's basically a guy. I have no idea where you're going There's a guy in the, in the hip-hop scene in New Zealand who posts... Um, a bunch of stuff about you know his career and his world advancing and he is just kind of so naive to a whole lot of stuff that the others of us can see and yeah this is sort of tangentially related sort of like the way i see his approach is like because it's you talking about the limousines and blah 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 yeah, is yeah. his i think he's his he's, his knowledge of the industry is growing up watching like American pop videos, man. Pretty much, you yeah. know. Yeah, and um, I think, I think reading between reading between the lines, I think he's lucky enough to be supported with 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 a wealthy family. Mm. So there's also that kind of mm-hmm. layer of of not having to sort of deal with some of the realities. Yep. You know, uh-huh. you, 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 yeah. You're smiling understand. at me. Okay, yeah. You, you <laughs> know the you, cul- you know the cultural <laughs> meme I'm talking about, eh? <laughs> but well, whatever style of music it is. But that's broader than music. I mean, yeah, there are yeah, there are yeah. some people who who have a, an ignorant slash arrogant view on the world and they're yeah. constantly reinforced. Yeah. So they never find out that they're wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and there are some people who hit the ground a few times in their life and they get a, a bit of character, you know? So does your... So... Because another guy, another guy I know produced... Um a lot of music in the early 2000s mm. um, and it was tied up because it's um, electronic music. It's tied up in a bunch of 
different small labels globally, basically. Right. Uh-huh. And all of his stuff's on Spotify now, whether he likes it or not. Because right. It's because of old contracts. <laughs> so is that, is yeah, that what yeah. happened with your albums? They've just ended no. up there? No, no, no. I was able to, um, I was able to sign the right deals in that sense. So I'm, I'm now, I now fully own everything. But how did you know beforehand? Before all oh, of I this? didn't, I didn't oh. know the future, but I just, I just made sure the but deal. But like, but like the podcast, yeah. coming back to what we're talking about with getting our podcasts out there, why wouldn't you want your stuff up there these days? If, if well, yeah, that's right. But I think, um, what, something that I've always thought with any kind of contract is, is I've just thought, well, just read it. Just think about it. Yeah. Just think about the pros and cons and how does this work for you? I think that a lot of musicians automatically sign a record deal if it's put in front of them because they're told their whole lives they're supposed to, you know. Well, also than- it's the holy grail. You say I've made it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you actually just think, is this the right deal for Wait, me? Wait, hang on. Stop. Is your music on Spotify or is it not on Spotify? It is on Spotify. It is on Spotify. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But it wasn't for a long time, <laughs> a and then, long I, time. then I decided to put it you there. You come around to it. Yeah. 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 And a New Zealand – what? how many New Zealand artists do you think would get a check from – check? Yeah, would get a facsimile? Um, how many New Zealand artists would get an amount of money – that is actually realistically worth their while being on Spotify because we've talked it's exposure it's having mm. other things that you do it's gigging I know all of that I know I know the narrative I've heard yep. it a lot of times yep. but I'm interested just on a financial level would it be like kind of the Finn brothers and a few other people or you I know? would love to know the answer to that yeah. too I yeah. think we're talking about the cream you know yeah. who, who I think significant so. money because I think even yeah. APRA even APRA payments really only are in you know money money territory yeah. with the sort of names I'm mentioning right well I've got friends who are in Bands that are doing really well. You want to be on the whole. You want to be on the whole music for a government department. I reckon. Right. I reckon Tiki's always on my mind, and, right. and part of the Freddie's album, and a couple of those Dobbo classics. I reckon just being on hold to IRD right has to be good APRA. Yeah, money, I'm sure right? that adds up. Yeah, and I they only they only play five songs. Those those cool waiting things. They've got that. Yeah. You know that nature compilation that came out. Yep. That's what they've, a lot of them have got, man. <laughs> right. From 2001 or whenever that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I cut you off. Do you remember what you were saying? What some of your friends... Oh, yeah, I've got some friends who are in bands who have done really great things in lots of ways, as in loads and loads of Spotify plays in the millions yeah. and uh, and other things as well. And, you know, they got all excited about their um, payment coming through. And, and I said to them, maybe you should just, you know, wait to count your chickens. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. And they were super excited. And then they got the payment and they're like, no. Nah. <laughs> no, bummed out for nothing ages. on the left side of the decimal point. <laughs> no, I mean, oh no, they. I think they made a few hundred bucks or something. Yeah. But I mean, by the time they got millions and millions of plays, and uh, it just doesn't convert into real money. And especially yeah. then, when you've got management and other people yeah, taking yeah. things out, you know. So I want to talk to you in a bit about some of these um, big artists you've played with. But just rounding off this kind of like business, mm. um, you know, and modern musician in a capitalist environment that we live in um, conversation what will you do is the album released or is it being is it released shortly the one you sent me the Spotify link for um, is uh, the release coming or it's, is... it's coming it's okay. coming in about three months two months two or three months so what will you do around that in 2019 will you go out and tour will you try mm-hmm. and get it licensed will you all of the above all of the above, all of the above. Yep. yep I'm trying to get it um, licensed and synced I'm trying to I'm, I'm planning on playing some shows um I'm releasing music videos and doing the so- social media side of things. I'm doing things like this, you know. Making your yeah. videos a lot 
um, cheaper these days, right? Yeah. More accessible. Depending on yeah. how you do it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. And who who comes to um, a Danny McCrum show? Who's, who's, your, who's your audience? Well, I haven't done one for ages, so I don't know. <laughs> who was it last time? <laughs> I, I actually stepped out of the of the game for a while after the oh, third yeah. album. So um, I went and focused more on being a session musician and have toured for the last several years with loads of other people. And so I'm actually relearning my songs at the moment and, and putting a show together. So it's going well, to be Danny, interesting to I see. Listened to, when I listened to the single today and I flipped through some of the rest of the album, mm. um, it's good to see track three as the single. I always used to say, with, when I talked to Mikey Havoc about it a couple of times, he'd always say track three or track four, if you're going to test an album, you just go there straight away. There's always gold. Right. On track three or track four, but anyway, is that um, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, after track three or track, you know, if it's not happening by track three or track four, you don't put the bangers at the end. Um, <laughs> but um, but um, I was going to ask you about that. Um, I, I I was yeah, the look of the vid and stuff, and this it really worked. This is certainly not at all a criticism. The mm. look of the vid, and I thought it was going to be a different style of music. To, 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 to it's it's almost kind of like there was almost kind of Jamiroquai. Don't be talking crazy. There's no way I'm leaving This place is paradise So oh, come on Oh, kind of a feel there yeah. in parts. That's cool. It's really, um, I love that. I don't, this is where my, um, you know, technical knowledge for terms is. It's like very um, organic sounding. It's yep. not, nothing's, it's not overly um, layered in effects and so on. That's and right. yep. I thought it's quite radio friendly. Do you think radio is somewhere you like, is, is, does, does radio matter these days? Would you try and get a tune on the radio? I'll definitely try. Yeah. 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 I, I, don't know much about the radio industry these days. I don't know whether its significance is the same as 10 years ago. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess it's not, but that's just because I assume everything's changed. But um, I'm definitely going to try. It's funny, though, because I don't see myself as a radio artist. Yeah. Um, I've had a well, couple I of Well, I had kid on, gloves with that know. because sometimes you say that to people, but you've just said to me you're really open-minded, you know, over the course of this podcast. Mm. Some people who would hear that, some musicians would hear that as, oh, you're cheesy? Not at all. <laughs> you're not at all. Some music just suits radio, some doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I like strong melodies, so I think yeah. a lot of my music's quite catchy, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I like good grooves and tight arrangements. So I think I sort of accidentally end up writing songs that could work that way. It's funny. I had a meeting with someone a couple of weeks ago who said that that song could could really be on the radio. No, uh, I, it could. Uh, yeah. yeah, totally. It'd be I interesting thought so. to see if radio agrees. <laughs> I thought so. You know, like it, it came, you know, even had like it was interesting. It had like a it had it had, it had like a, a, a four four. Like uh, actually, what did I write down? I wrote down. It looked like it was going to be all black crows, and then it went Jamiroquai. <laughs> It's an interesting turnaround. I don't, I don't get the Black Crows reference, but I don't mind oh, it. I don't mind the, it. The stylized video. And um, where did yep. you film that? I thought it was LA at first, but it's Auckland, isn't it? No, it's both. Okay. Yep. Yep. So what's the connection to LA? Because I think this is where we move into talking about, I'm guessing that you've sessioned with a lot of these big musicians you've worked with, or is it is it touring and studio work? No, the majority of them have been touring and support. Wow. Slots. Yeah. Oh, your your band supporting. Yep. How have you? How did you get those links? That's incredible, man. Um, some of it was um, referrals. Some of it was us just asking and applying yeah. and begging and. You oh, know. Oh, supports in New Zealand or overseas as well? Yeah, mostly in New Zealand. So, who yeah. have you supported? Um, well, I supported uh, in the early days. I think the first bigger ones were Jimmy Barnes and wow. and um, 
uh, John huge, John Mayer. That'd be a huge crowd in New Zealand. Would that oh, have yeah, been one of the was, biggest crowds you'd played at the time? I actually can't even remember how big that crowd was. I don't yeah. think it would have been the biggest I've played to. Yeah. Uh, it might have been. I, I'd be completely guessing. I can't even remember what the crowd looked like that night. But it was out in um, it was at the V8 Supercars. Uh, <laughs> and, um, wow. And Tadpole, now Tadpole Barnes, playing too. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at the Pukekohe something stadium, whatever that's called. I didn't. I didn't. Um, there's a lot of like mainstream artists that basically when I've got. Uh, when I've got older, because mm. you know my teens and twenties were about trying to find lots of stuff off the beaten path, and right. I've really started to appreciate. Like I watched the Exponents doco. Yeah. When I was at uni, like the Exponents were what like the the like Moleskine wearing commerce students listen to. <laughs> but I'm like, what a fucking great band they are. Yeah. And I had the same thing. I saw a Jimmy Barnes doco in Australia, and I was mm. like, that guy's got one of the greatest rock voices. Of all time, absolutely. Man. I, I, well, the, the one of the lasting memories <laughs> I have from that day yeah. is Jimmy walking up on stage. Firstly, he walked over to us and said, "Hi, I'm Jimmy Barnes." Well, that's good and start, I, right? And I almost went, "Yeah, I know." You know yeah, 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 but, yeah. But I always thought, you know, how nice was he? But um, he walked up on stage and he just goes, "Wow!" Yeah, and yeah, sang yeah. this really big note, yeah. and then stopped and he coughed for ten minutes. Yeah, and then he goes, "Okay, I'm ready." <laughs> oh, before the before the audience got there, like sound oh, check. sound check. Yeah, didn't he? Now I'm trying to remember. Didn't he? Have a hold of he actually nearly there was a there was a rough period there with the voice and stuff eh, to do with yes. drinking and so on Absolutely, isn't there yeah. he's kind of got his shit back together or like he's yeah, got his life it, back it, together it might have even been before that I can't yeah. remember the time interesting life man yeah. Um, yeah and so a name that stuck out to me because it's like from my mother's record collection I, and I really like this artist <laughs> is uh, what's the connection to Joan Armour Trading. Oh, that we ended up supporting a double bill. Um, she was. Hit, Do you like her music? I love her music. The music's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's yeah, fantastic. And yeah. I was already into her music, yeah, yeah, so that yeah. was just a happy accident. Probably like me through an uncle or a actually mother it was a producer. There right. was a producer okay. on the first album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he was yeah. Um, just in the downtime. He was saying you should check out Joan. She's Trading. great. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, is that later the same year we got the support slot. Yeah. Um, so, but she did a double bill with Brian Ferry, and so me and we did a duo performance for that one. Myself and another friend of mine who plays guitar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Joan was fantastic. Like yeah. she, she is better live than she is on record. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Wow. So that was cool. Oh, um, session stuff. Have you you saying you session with some artists as well? Yeah, just bits and pieces here right. and there. Yeah. So yeah. support for Eric Clapton. Then this yeah. is just a big name drop now. <laughs> I mean, Eric yep. Clapton's Jeff Beck, they're not to be snubbed at. They support slots over here, were they? Yep, and the Clapton one came about because of the Jeff Beck one. So yeah. um, the Jeff Beck one came up, and then we were at the Jeff Beck show when they asked us if we'd be interested in doing the Clapton one, which is still one of the funniest questions I've ever been asked, you know, <laughs> as if we can go, nah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a pretty surreal I haven't, I haven't, I haven't liked him since Tears from Heaven. <laughs> Look at that. Well, it's funny because <laughs> my, I grew up with a, a, a friend of mine called Ben, who I grew up with. Um, we both started playing guitar at the same time, and we're, we're still good friends now. Yeah. And we were 11 and 12 learning Eric Clapton songs. You know? yeah. And he was in my band yeah. for about three years. He was yeah. in my band. And, he, and that crossed over that yeah. gig. So I did the same. Weird... I learned, you learn Eric Clapton. You learn Led Zeppelin. Yep. You learn Pink Floyd. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's absolutely. a certain sort of a list. At the yeah. time, there was also like more than and words. And some of them, are, some of them are, <laughs> you know, early on, it's, it's a buzz to like be able to play some of their, you know, simpler compositions. Yeah. Then, you know, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But it was a really nice um, moment to I get it. have that Went memory circle. and then, and then oh, end crazy. up backstage with them, you know. I, I, mean, I, I mean, that is that is the support artist story a lot, right, yeah. is just that. And so you've got someone like Jimmy who's like, it sounds like 
you know they do do say being a nice guy is a good secret to succeeding in a lot of industries and things in life Mm -hmm. i'd imagine others are just by virtue of some of them might have been at the literal arse end in new zealand (laughs) at the end of a really long tour probably yeah. i'm sure some of them you don't even hear cooey from them right no no i didn't have um much of a conversation with brian ferry he was pretty quiet yeah and that's you another you, that's you, you another you don't know how to read these things i mean he yeah. might have just been in his head was know? he touring as brian ferry or as roxy music no just brian ferry right yeah, as brian ferry yeah, yeah. Mm. was that a good show i don't know a yeah. lot about him i know he's really highly regarded but i'm the same kind of, as you it's kind of passing no me I'm by. The, i know i know he's highly highly yeah. regarded and i don't know much about him yeah um and so i yeah I'm, I, he's one of those artists that sort of missed me for some reason yeah but you um, supported him nonetheless yeah yeah. yeah, it was good. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you do? You're saying you've taken a hiatus from sort of um, playing, or well, obviously recorded an album, but touring and so on. You're doing the podcast. We've talked about how that's for love. Um, oh, I haven't taken a hiatus from touring. I took a, I took a hiatus from... Um, I was basically all I was going to ask is how you're making your living these days. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I've, I've finished the, the, the first thing, which is that... So from I, that bag of weed you sold me when you first got here. <laughs> well, I, I just... I, I got to the point where the, the day-to-day um, struggle of pushing your original music and trying to get it out there, that whole grind, which yeah. I'd sort of... I'd felt like I'd been on that since I was a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Spotify thing happened and a number, number of other things happened, and I just needed to step out. And I, I actually almost quit music altogether i yeah. just had this moment where i thought maybe this is me and um then I, th- I i thought about it for a couple of months and i thought actually i don't need to do that i just need to i just need to change what i'm focusing on and yeah, the yeah. whole time through reinvent reflect well this and the entire time i'd always been playing for other people yeah and i'd always just seen it as sort of nothing it's just this other thing i did but i thought what if i just make that my focus for a while yeah, yeah. and so i just focused on that and gave myself a break from writing songs and and you know, yeah. go into the grind. And I don't think you can do creativity full time for forty years. It's no. just that's not not an uncommon story. No, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the great thing was, I had no idea if it ever come back, and I didn't mind if it didn't. Yeah. Um, and the great thing was, it came back. You know, a few years later, I just I suddenly thought, I know what I want to do. Do you subscribe to the like? There's some people who are like creatives, and other people that sort of aren't so much creatives. Or do you think that? Um, creativity is kind of universal I think creativity is definitely universal I think it's in everybody but I don't think everybody finds that out about themselves I don't think I think you have to open the door or take the pill or whatever you know you you get a taste of it and then you realise what's possible (coughs) well I also think that um, you know someone who's a brilliant um, engineer or um, you know, builds a custom car. I think, I mean, it's, you know, it, what the next question becomes, what is creativity? You know, and it's actually yeah. one of the great, in the English language, <coughs> excuse me, and I didn't realize this till I tried to, once you start attacking things academically, people, you know, they really, you've got to be precise. Right. And my supervisor was like, you know, it's one of the great contested words. Yes. You know, is what is creativity? Yeah, I've never thought to break it down. Well, you know I, what I mean? Like, I, th- yeah. I think I think that creativity, man, it's, I think we think of creativity as the arts, mm. you know? But I think creativity, I think a great chef is really creative. I totally you know? agree. Yeah. I think creativity is, is something to do with problem solving. It's something to do with imagining an outcome and working towards it. You know, I felt, I felt, I mean, I, you know, I talked before about how I struggled at school. Yeah. And if I went back in time and spoke to my younger self and said, you're going to set up a business and actually run a business, yeah, yeah. I would have said, I can't do that. Can't you know? do the books. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I can't what, see. <laughs> but I actually grew to love the process. Yeah. And the reason why I love the process is because I see it as creative. It's the yeah. same as making a record. Yeah. You know, and 
you you start off with a, an idea about how you want it to work and then yeah. you step by step build up to that idea yeah. so i think yeah. creativity is far broader than most people realize Actually, it's funny the cooking connection like i don't i mean it's just i could be completely making this up maybe a whole bunch of people who are all um uh you know used to be lacrosse players get really into cooking later on but i've noticed a lot of my a lot of my like um musician friends um musically inclined friends um we're all getting really into cooking in a big way later in life interesting people like sort of sharing artisan sausage recipes and yeah you know it's like the hunt for the recipe and the prep and the it's all it's all construction and you know what goes well together and you know i think that's great and i i I, I haven't i haven't noticed that pattern but i'm I'm sure i'm sure you're right um but i think that creative people uh, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't end at their instrument. No. You know, I think you find that we all we draw or we we cook or whatever. We 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 all do because creativity is is more of a motor skill. I yeah, think. you can't really. No, it's it been off. interesting because it's like the Tom Larkin um, by association podcast because <laughs> uh, he really subscribes to that. Because as I say, I had to watch mm. this quite. He, I just it posed. I found it posed a lot of questions and a lot of he had a lot of really interesting insight when I listened to it the other night. And yeah. he's he's very much like of the creative people are from Venus. Other people are from from Mars. Um, you know, camping there's you know, there's not. It's, I guess there's no right or wrong. That's why I was asking your perspective on yeah. it. But I, I tend to be more more with you um, on that. So just wrapping up. And by the way. Um, this is going to be one of the few apps I just kind of throw up, not having to think about listening back to it just in case anything needs to. I think we've bantered well. Yes. Must be something about good two, two podcast hosts. Yeah. Well, we both know to not leave too much silence. That's a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should leave, fear, some, we should leave some now. Fear just of de- to, yeah, yeah. Fear of dead air. <laughs> when I started teaching, I realized that because I was from a broadcast background that I did have a fear of dead air, and I've learned to let a room breathe more when I ask a question right I would tend to like answer my own question too quickly and I get a lot more out of students now that I can leave that pause and let it like linger in the room yeah and someone who doesn't normally talk will pipe up if you just once you realize it's not an uncomfortable yeah pause I've you got know? a name for that right. I call it Louis throwing someone why because does Louis through do big like long pauses he does oh, you he watch does? it he, he, yeah. it gets to the point where it's obviously his turn to say something he just stands there and stares at them and what? a moment passes <laughs> and they just go confess can, confess confess I, confess confess I, you I know? can picture it too and it, it's part of he's clever it's that whole fish out of water he gets he would never have succeeded <laughs> if he was an American in an American environment no I always feel like Louis through is like watching a live where's Wally like you know he's kind <laughs> yeah. of like what what do you think? Have you seen his newer shows? They've got a little bit too dark for me. Like the last what few. Are the, what are the new ones? Oh, there was one on. I, I'm a huge fan of him, by the way. So oh, I'm so am I. But the, yeah. you must have, then, if you're a huge fan, you would have mm. seen them. I say latest. They might be a couple of years old. I think right. one was on euthanasia, and but they're just not as kind. Of, they don't have that kind of irreverent fun they used to have. They're right. getting too serious for me. Mm, so you're a huge fan. Will you go and see him in Auckland? Is he coming? Absolutely. I didn't know that. Yeah, but well, I definitely think will. These days, you don't see, you don't go into a cafe and see flies or anything. <laughs> yeah, do you? never hear about anything. Um, yeah, he is. Brilliant. Uh, where sure. have, why have I seen that? Where have I been seeing that? Maybe you made it up. No, no, he's definitely coming. He's right. De- oh, it's, it must have been turning up on my Facebook feed. <laughs> I think we find out everything these days. Yeah. You a film guy, or you go to stuff in the film festival? Uh, I I love films. I 
never have time to do anything that's just not work. Pick so. one good music doco each year in the film festival and go to that man. I think okay. there's one on Aretha Franklin this time around. I can't remember. Um, I was going to ask you about the connection to LA with the pedals and stuff, but I think we're at a nice point just to finish, man. An hour yeah. and fifteen minutes. Well, I should throw in the um the oh. you know Chris Campbell guitar custom shop and yeah. rockbox.com. But also, you should you know, throw in where to find what's happening coming up with the album and sort of where people can find your music to listen to it. Yes, they're going sure. to want to know what you play after. Well, well DannyMcCrum.com is my website and I've released a single called Hustle Bustle which is the title track and that came out a month or so ago Um, the video is on my website and, and YouTube and we're about to, we're we're going to be on. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but probably by the time it's up, it'll be on Spotify as well. Um, I've got back my. I put one up a day or two ago, yep. so I reckon I'll leave it just under two weeks. So basically, it'll be up. Yeah, in about 12 days. Right, so by then, it'll yeah. be all over the streaming platforms. Okay. Got a new single coming out called Don't Be Late, which will be at the beginning of August, and then the album will be out at this stage. We're playing on the end of September. Cool. Yeah. Nice one. 